1: and uh, has really put and reminded me what's truly important. Damian Lillard. That was for Seattle.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Just to name a few.
1: Welcome to Sports
2: Business Radio. Now, here's Brian Berger. Well, thanks for joining us on this edition of Sports Business Radio presented by Underdog Fantasy. Underdog Fantasy is the easiest place to play fantasy football. No waivers, no trades, no in-season management. Head to underdogfantasy.com or download the Underdog Fantasy app. Use promo code SBR. They'll even match your first deposit up to $100. Great guest lined up for you on our show this week. Channing Fry, He is an NBA champion, co-founder of Chosen Family Wines. He's the lead analyst for Turner Sports. A great conversation about his wine, which I had a chance to try and I loved it his NBA career and winning a title with the Cleveland Cavaliers, his TV work with Turner, and his road trip and podcast with Richard Jefferson. Fry is a bright former athlete who is thriving in his life after basketball. I think you'll enjoy our conversation with him. I'm joined by executive producer Brian Griggs. Griggs, how are you?
0: I'm doing good and uh, always enjoyed Channing. I loved when he was a blazer here in Portland, just uh, a likable guy, a fun guy on and off the court. And another one of these guys that's just, uh, you know, jumped into some great endeavors with the wine and other things he's doing. Uh, Fun to see people, you know, take their career to the next level after they're off the court of the field. And he's uh, one of those guys.
2: Yeah. And I love that he's working with a few former teammates. So he works with Kevin Love, who's his partner on chosen family wines. And he works with Richard Jefferson, who he's known since he's a kid because they both grew up in Arizona uh, on the Road and podcast. So it, it's fun that he's doing that. All right, let's get to some headlines of the week. Griggs, this battle between the PGA Tour and Live Golf continues, and Live is on the verge of signing their biggest signing to date, I guess, unless you count Phil Mickelson as the biggest signing, but Phil hasn't performed very well on the tour so far, but they did pay him more than this person. Cam Smith, the number two-ranked golfer in the world, is on the verge of signing a $100 million deal with Live Golf. This is per The Telegraph in the UK. To put that into perspective, Griggs, Cam Smith has earned $27.2 million in a 184 PGA Tour event. So to get $100 million just to show up for the Live Tour, it's a lot of money for him.
0: Yeah, they are just throwing money around like it is just uh, nothing to them. It's crazy the amounts of money they keep showing these players. But, you know, they go after the big names. Cam Smith is huge right now. He's playing really well. He's performing well. So I can see why, uh, you know, he's on the verge of signing because the money's good and he's a great player. And this is just going to be a fun battle. We've talked about it off and on as this has started to grow between the PGA and the Live and just to see how it, you know, how the players match up, how they cross over and which ones go, which ones stay.
2: So, Griggs, also, according to multiple reports, Tiger Woods is going to go to the BMW Championship in Delaware this week, but he's not going to play. He's going to meet with a group of PGA Tour players to discuss the continued kind of recruitment of PGA Tour golfers to the Live Golf Tour. And remember, according to Greg Norman and and reports, Tiger was offered between seven and $800 million to join the Live Tour. So not only is he not joined, but he's really trying to defend the PGA Tour and keep the top golfers there. We've already seen Cam Smith and Dustin Johnson and Bubba Watson and, and people like that go to the Live Tour, um, Bryce DeChambrough. So, you know, this is interesting to see. Tiger's coming in. I mean, Tiger, obviously the biggest name in golf. If he's coming in to talk to the golfers, you wonder if maybe some of these defections are going to stop, but it is a lot of money that you're being offered. Like we just said, $100 million for Cam Smith, who's earned $27.2 million in 184 PJ events. When you throw that kind of money around, it's hard for a lot of these guys to say no.
0: Yeah, and especially these young players. I mean, that is, Cam Smith, you know, he hasn't been around forever. He's, he's younger, and to get that kind of money to jump his career to the next level, I mean, that's, that's crazy. I can see why, why it'd be hard to turn down, but I think it is smart the PGA's bringing Tiger in because, I mean, obviously he's the goat of golf, you know, uh, coming in and talking to these players and meeting with players. I think that's going to help potentially keep some of them around in the PGA, so I think it's smart to uh, keep Tiger involved.
2: All right, our next headline, we've been following this one. Nearly two weeks ago, the NFL... Appealed Judge Sue L. Robinson's ruling on the Deshaun Watson case. She recommended a suspension of six games. We're waiting now for Peter Harvey, who is the appeals officer appointed by Roger Goodell. What's his ruling going to be? Many people think this is going to be a... you know, greater penalty than six games now. Is it going to be eight games? Is there going to be a fine? Will it be a whole season? Some people have said it might be an indefinite suspension, but Griggs, Watson took the field for the Browns against the Jaguars, and he was one for five on the field, didn't light it up, and, you know, there's a lot of stuff around this, but uh you know when he finally got on the field it wasn't all that impressive especially for someone who has a 230 million dollar guaranteed contract.
0: Yeah he didn't look so fresh and uh, man I can't imagine with all this baggage of stuff going on in his life it'd be hard to go out and perform even though he needs to but yeah I, the ongoing story continues and I think this is going to continue you know even further in probably even into the regular season but hopefully they can get it figured out before then. I do think it's going to be maybe another game or two. I think eight games maybe nine games that's where I'm I kind of feel like that's what's going to end up. Yeah,
2: it it will be interesting. Uh, The Jaguars fans certainly had comments and chants for Deshaun Watson that cannot be repeated, even though this is a podcast. Uh, I won't repeat them, but uh, you would think he's going to be enduring those chants from lots of opposing fans probably the rest of his career.
0: Yeah, I think it's not going to be easy for him, especially on the road and on the sidelines when he's not out playing it's going to be rough cuz nfl fans can be a little gritty they can be a little uh, a little nasty so they are big time in the news they know what's going on and he's going to get it from probably every angle
2: all right our next headline this is a big one one of the faces of major league baseball padre's shortstop fernando tatís junior was suspended for 80 games the rest of the season and the postseason for testing positive for performance enhancing drugs Uh, Tatis has been one of the faces of Major League Baseball. He's in Gatorade commercials. He's got a $340 million contract. He's 23 years old. Griggs, this is a huge blow to the Padres, but it's also a blow to Major League Baseball and to sponsors like Gatorade. And you just wonder, like, you know, A-Rod was really good on the K-Rod broadcast the other night on ESPN2. And he said, like, I made a similar mistake. And... Uh, you know, I paid for it the rest of my career. And, and, you know, he said, I don't think I'll make the Hall of Fame now. And you have to look at someone like Tatis Jr. who's only 23. Like, is he just playing out the rest of his career? No chance of the Hall of Fame. You know, I always talk to people about what's in the first paragraph of your bio. Well, this is going to be in the first paragraph of his bio going forward that he was suspended for 80 games. There's obviously, PED use in play here. So you have to think that he's not going to make the Hall of Fame. But a big blow to Major League Baseball and the Padres, who had traded for Juan Soto, and were really going for it this season.
0: Yeah, and you just wonder, like, how long has this been going on, too? I mean, does this, you know, aid in his huge contract and, you know, his all-star appearances and all this stuff? Is it really him playing, or is it the drugs helping him play? So that's what kind of frustrates me, especially with baseball, So these guys these big all-stars grow into these big, you know, fame and everything is going for him. And then it's like, oh wait, I've been taking drugs for who knows how long. So it's a blow to baseball. I think he's a face of baseball. He's likable. He's fun to watch. So it's too bad. These uh, big stars, especially in baseball, keep getting caught with this stuff.
2: Well, and he had made a previous bad decision where he got injured. He was riding a motorcycle. So, you know, again, that's one of the things that is probably prevented in your contract. You can't do dangerous sports and risky things off the field and motorcycle riding is is one of those things i remember jeff kent back in the day with the giants got hurt riding a motorcycle and missed some time so 340 million dollars you expect a lot more out of someone who's making that kind of money who is one of the faces of baseball who's one of the faces of gatorade and other companies so it's disappointing and you wonder how this will impact him going forward all right The Major League Baseball Field of Dreams game between the Reds and the Cubs, I watched a little bit of it. I loved when uh, Ken Griffey Jr., who's been on this show, and Ken Griffey Sr. emerged from the cornfields and had a father-son catch. That was really cool. There were some great moments of the game, but guess what, Griggs? The TV viewership plummeted in year two of this game. About 3.1 million fans tuned in only half as many as last year. So it seems like the novelty has already worn off.
0: Yeah, I think in this case, I would rather be there and actually see it live. I don't know that it really transfers to TV as as well as being in person. I think it'd be cool in person. Uh, It looks cool. And the stadium's awesome. The cornfield, the setup's awesome. But I agree. I think it's kind of like, okay, we've seen that. There's nothing new about it. It's move on to something else. So I think uh, in person, great on TV, obviously showing it's not going to be quite as popular.
2: We will see how it does uh, in years ahead. They're developing that whole complex. I mean, I think what they're doing is really cool, and I think it's novel. And, you know, we've seen, like, the NHL uh, do outdoor games and move them around to different places. That's been cool. Um, So, you know, I think it's unique when baseball does stuff like this, but they've got to figure out a way to get interest in the game going forward, because obviously, like we just said with these ratings, they, they... Got cut in half from year one to year two. All right, Griggs, the NBA Christmas Day schedule has leaked out. Here are the games. Bucks at the Celtics. Sixers at the Knicks. Suns at the Nuggets, who have Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr. returning. Lakers at the Mavericks, so LeBron and Luka. And then Grizzlies at the Warriors. And there's been a lot of smack talk this offseason between Draymond Green and John Morant. So that's the nightcap. And I think probably the best game of the day on the Christmas slate. Now, remember, NBA this year is going to be going up against three NFL games. And as we've seen in the past, when the NFL goes up against anyone, they usually almost double the ratings. So these are good games. But I wonder how are they going to fare against the NFL? What do you think, Griggs?
0: Yeah, I think uh, you're right. NFL is always going to win out, but those are awesome NBA games. I can't wait for that day. It's going to be a fun day of sports, um, as well as Christmas Day, of course, which is always fun. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to the Ja and Steph rematch. And like you said, Jamal Murray back and Porter. That's going to be fun. Those are big games. I think... NBA for, you know, Christmas Day NBA is kind of like Super Bowl second place. It's like, it's a big day for sports, but up against NFL teams, I'll definitely be flipping back and forth. Yeah.
2: All right. Our last headline during the pandemic, you know, and I'll put myself in this category. I went out and got a Peloton, like a lot of people went out and got exercise equipment or, you know, joined a a fitness studio and Griggs, they're getting hit hard. So SoulCycle known for its indoor cycling and spinning workouts. It's closing 19 of its 83 studios in the US and Canada. They're laying off 23% of their staff. And then Peloton is eliminating 784 jobs and they're raising the price of their bike plus by $500 and their tread by $800. So these are struggling businesses right now. They're making massive cuts. In the case of Peloton, they're upping the price of their bike. And uh, it's going to be interesting to see, you know, are we going to look back in two, three, five years and go, oh, yeah. Remember SoulCycle and Peloton? They did really well during the pandemic, but then they went under. Can they sustain during this time? It's going to be interesting to see.
0: Yeah. I mean, like you, you've got the Peloton. I kind of built a home gym in one of my rooms down in my basement. So I've, you know, I didn't go out to a fitness studio. I'm not going to a studio. I just do it for my house. So I think, yeah, a lot of them purchased during, during the pandemic, but can they continue to keep people buying them? It doesn't look like it. And uh, you're right. I mean, five years from now, is there going to even be a Peloton studio, you know, in New York or any of these big cities anymore because uh, people are all working out at home or wherever they've got their fitness thing figured out. So yeah, that's a, a changing business as well. And it'll be fun to watch to see how it goes.
2: All right, next week on our show, we're going to do something fun. We are going to have our fantasy football draft using our app, Underdog Fantasy. Again, if you go to underdogfantasy.com and you download the app, use promo code SBR, they'll match your first deposit up to $100. But Griggs, I've done a few of these drafts so far. The best ball mania three draft, and it's great because it's like 30 seconds in between picks. It's rapid fire. I've gotten some of my favorite players, Um, you know, then there's no management or anything after that. So it's a lot of fun and uh, I'm looking forward to competing against you and a few others on our uh, staff and in our circle on next week's show.
1: Yeah,
0: it's going to be fun. Um, I agree. I think the best part about the underdog setup is just the rapid fire. I love how quick it is. You don't have to wait, you know, minutes between each pick. you just kind of like, bam, bam, bam. And then the, the no, man, no management afterwards. You just get a play, watch it go, and get your best players and uh, have fun with it. So it's it's fun to do with friends and, you know, co-workers and all that. You can kind of pit, pit each other against each other. So it's kind of fun. I'm looking forward to it. There'll be a lot of smack talk.
2: All right, coming up next, Canning Fry, NBA champion, co-founder of Chosen Family Wines and lead analyst, for Turner Sports. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. Hey, everyone. Brian Berger here. Roan is the new official menswear partner of Sports Business Radio. I love their product. I've been a fan for a long time. Did you know David Stern was one of their first investors? Roan makes the absolute highest quality, best fitting, and most comfortable performance-driven clothing for men. Their entire line places emphasis on an active balanced, and purpose-driven lifestyle. I'm wearing my spar joggers. I've got them in uh, heather gray. I've got them in navy. I've got my moleskin commuter slim pant. I've got my regular black commuter pant. I've got my dress shirts. So when I'm out in in in-person meetings, I have the nicer Roan product to wear. But most of the time, I'm working from home. And I've got my rain long-sleeve gray heather camo. I've got my rain long sleeve hoodies. I am wearing the shorts for workouts, the seven inch Mako shorts. So I'll tell you what, from top to bottom, whether it's casual or business wear, Roan has me covered. I know they're going to have you covered too. And Roan is offering sports business radio podcast listeners 15% off your purchase. Go to Roan.com, R-H-O-N-E.com and enter code SBR15 at checkout, like sports business radio 15, SBR 15 at checkout. Receive 15% off your purchase. That's Rone.com, R-H-O-N-E.com and enter promo code SBR15 at checkout. My guest at Canning Fry, NBA champion, co-founder of Chosen Family Wines, lead analyst for Turner Sports. You can find him. On social media at Channing Frye.
1: Channing, thanks for joining me on Sports Business Radio. How are you? I mean, I'm good. Just dropped my kids off from uh, uh, our basketball camp over here in L.O. and uh, just started the day by talking. <laughs> well, let's start with this. Uh, you and I got to meet in person
2: last week. Uh, we're both from Phoenix. Yeah. It- Explain the St. Mary's Brophy rivalry to those who don't know. So you went to St. Mary's. I went to Brophy.
1: I'm older than you. But for people that don't know, what's that rivalry like? So I think it starts with like history and tradition. Both of them are Catholic schools um, from t- two different dioceses. Right. I think that's how you say it. Um, and so I think the best way to explain it is, you know, from the perspective of the of a layman, of somebody that like, you know, needed to know something about Brophy. Brophy tended to be the doctors, lawyers, CEOs, kids who went there, where St. Mary's was the firefighter, policeman, and like two, you know, two parents that are working a uh, house, right? One is boys and girls, Brophy Xavier. Another one, St. Mary's, was a, traditionally been a bit of a girl school that turned into a smaller school. So that's just what it looks like from the outside. But when you really kind of break it all down, all these kids come from across the state uh, to go to these really storied and historic uh, schools. And the rivalry is intense um, because kids, again, are coming from all across the state. Um, you know, I, I feel like there is a sense of pride where neither school uh, recruits. I wasn't recruited. Uh, I actually had to take the test to go there. And I actually, you know, the funny story about these two schools was I went to St. Mary's. I took the test. I was, uh, so in Chandler, it was seven, eight, nine. So I went to high school. I had to go to a private high school by my parents. I took the test. I walk out. And the uh, assistant coach of the basketball team goes, where are you going? And I was like, I'm going back home, right? I'm talking to my dad. And he's talking to me. He's like, well, why don't you come to a basketball game? I was like, yeah. He was like, it's St. Mary's Brophy. So I said, okay, I'll go. So I went and I had no clue about the 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 the, the rivalry in this place. It's a small one-sided gym at St. Mary's, through three big swamp coolers in Phoenix. So it's a nasty in there. <laughs> and so I got to sit or stand more likely behind the bench during this game. And one side is all red, another side is all green, and people are just screaming and yelling. It was just like it is the the best form of basketball and the best form of rivalry uh, I, I've seen in a long time. And basically, I told my dad, whichever team wins, that's the school I'm going to. And so, uh, actually, St. Mary's was down by two. Somebody went to go shoot a free throw. He makes the first one, misses the second one. And Don L. Knight, which is a wild name, tipped the ball in. And St. Mary's one by one. So that same assistant coach after the game, after he celebrates, comes to me and goes, hey, meet your new teammates, right? And Jason and James Farnett were playing in that game and they were freshmen. So we end up having to work out every single day after that. Uh, and we end up winning a state championship. So that's how I went to St. Mary's over Brophy. Um, wow. it's pretty crazy. But yeah, I know it's a wild story, but it's the truth. So, you know, things have... For a reason. So, what you really would have gone to Brophy if they without a doubt, Man. without a doubt. After watching that game, um, I have—I had a lot of respect and still do for uh, Brophy's the way they do things, their their educational practices, um, same with my parents did, and then their team. So, like they had a really good team. So, growing up, and especially with St. Mary's, St. Mary's at Brophy had one AU team right, called uh, uh, Phoenix Catholic. So, like, Brophy had four Division One basketball players on it, right? And then St. Mary's had three, and then we had one football scholarship. So, like, there was seven D1 players wow. on these two teams. So the level of play was great. If I had gone there, we would have started a lineup of, let's say I was 6'10 at the time, 6'10, 6'10, 6'9, 6'7. It's six, six, he has a starting, it could have been the best team in the history of basketball or best in the history of Arizona. But I, it just so happened. I went to St. Mary's and then our team was six ten. Then the next guy was six, two, six, three. We had <laughs> the shortest team in the league other than me. Oh my God. What a great, great story. Oh man. Yeah, man, I oh, forgot about these stories. This is great. Yeah, we could just do the whole podcast on St. Mary's trophy stories. Yeah. Oh, man. So who yeah, was flying
2: for the Suns when you were coming up and you were like, you know, watching NBA ball? Who were who some of yeah, the I, guys? Was, uh,
1: and those guys? Elliot, Sox Perry. You had Kevin Johnson. You had uh, that year with Danny Manning got hurt. Dan Marley, Oliver Miller, obviously Charles Barkley. You had Mark West. You had. Um, Oh, man. I mean, I could keep going, but I think those years was when I really, you know, when John Paxson hit that shot, I ran outside like, no! You know, that was the thing. Um, I remember, you know, Jason Kidd and his shoes, those those like sneakers that he came out with were ridiculous, the little alien guys. Those are my top five all-time favorite shoes. Um, I mean, I didn't get a chance to go to a lot of games, and whenever I did, they were usually up at the top um, at, at uh, you know, at the arena. But um, from watching it as a kid to being able to play there my senior year in a championship, well, both junior and senior year, junior year we lost, senior year we won. Um, and then to be able to play for the Suns was crazy as a Phoenician, right? As a guy grew up in Phoenix, Chandler, Arizona, uh, that was a dream come true, especially in my Uh, career to have an opportunity to come play at home, yeah. What was it like, uh,
2: playing in the NBA? Because you played, I mean, you're an NBA champion, you won a title with the Cleveland Cavaliers, you played with LeBron, and there it is. Wow, look at that! Wait, pull that up again. We got to, we got to see that. Let's keep it right here, sir. Yeah, that is that is amazing. That's a big ring. That is a big That's a big ring. Wow, that is awesome. I mean. What an incredible experience. Not many people have a chance to win a championship. You did it with some of the greats. It seems like that team was really tight. You know, you and Kevin Love are in business together now. We'll get to that in a minute. You and Richard Jefferson are doing a podcast together, road tripping. I know you and LeBron are, are close. What is it
1: like winning a championship and kind of building that bond, going through all the battles? So... I've known Richard since I was 14. He's from Phoenix too. Right. Uh, He went to Moon Valley. Um, So my story with that team is kind of like trial under fire. I was in Orlando and I got traded in February. Everyone thought I was with the team all year, but I was in the drums in Orlando and we were getting our butt whooped every single day. I finally got traded to Cleveland and my attitude going to Cleveland was like, yo guys, like we're, really good. Like, why is nobody happy? You know? And so I just felt like, for me, I wanted there to be good communication. I wanted things to be fun. I had met Kevin before. Um, and Kevin Love is a really, really good player. All right. I know I'm saying that, but like, so for me having to guard him when I was in Phoenix and other places, I usually had to put my guard up around him because I didn't want him to get an advantage on me because it was hard enough trying to guard this guy. So when I first met him, I was kind of a dick, right? So I was kind of mean to him. And he's such a nice guy that he like, oh, still to this day gives me crap about how mean I was to him when we first met, right? And, uh, you know, now it's my best friend, obviously, to his wedding, all these kind of things. But when I went to a team, I just felt like there was a disconnect between the different groups on the team. And, and it wasn't anything that anyone did on purpose. It was just more Kyrie's young. You know, Kevin keeps to himself and Braun lives a Braun world. And so to connect them, you know, I'm just like, dude, guys, let's just let's go to dinner more, right? Let's go to dinner more. Let's go have a drink. Let's watch film. Let's, you know, hang out together. And it seemed to to grow. Uh, it seemed to connect people and, and make them more empathetic toward each other. And so when you go on a when you go on a championship run, there can't be any cracks in your boat, you're gonna sink. And there were no cracks on our boat from 15 to 1, Mm -hmm. right? Like James Jones wasn't really going to play, but he was really a leader. Uh, He was the guy that could yell at LeBron. He was the guy that was holding everyone accountable, along with LeBron and Kyrie and Kevin and Tristan. Um, So there was nothing in there that anybody could say to us or that we couldn't say to each other. Um, And we kept it very real. And guys were ready. Um, There was nothing else on anyone else's mind other than winning that game or that day or that practice. The competition and the competitiveness of each person was wild. Like in practice, coach would have to, if we were doing play and pickup, coach would have to like shut the lights off because if one team lost, they would want to keep going. (laughs) Right? It was that. It was like, you know, dogs who have a problem you know, with people touching their food, that's how ravenous guys were to win um, and how locked in they were. So it was fun, man. It was, everything was a competition. Everything. Especially when we start to play, it was like, turn it on. And then it was like some dogs coming out. It was crazy. And then you have high-level guys, Kyrie. Uh, 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 obviously, Moss Shempert's a, a really good player. Uh, Richard, myself, LeBron, Kevin. Tristan and, and guys are just one after another. Delhi, Moscow, like crazy. And it was wild. So much fun. Wow. What was it like winning in Cleveland? I mean, that city had been starving for a
2: championship. And it's like winning 10 championships, just winning one there.
1: Yeah, I, I think, you know, for me, it was the city. I wanted to see the city. And I live in Portland for a reason, because uh, the pe- people Uh, cause the, the ease of life, right? Nothing's a hassle. Um, obviously the weather now is absolutely beautiful. It was kind of crappy a month or two ago, but you, it's worth it. And so the same with Cleveland, those are amazing people. They are loyal. They know sports. They love sports. They're competitive. They are extremely passionate about their teams and knowledgeable. And so winning at Cleveland was bananas not only because you have LeBron, who's from Cleveland, but because of, again, like you said, 50 years between a championship, and for us to have the best championship in the last 25, 30 years, also being down 3-1, made it even more crazy. And for us to have beat the crap out of all, you know, basically sweat the first three teams in the Eastern Conference, and then go up against that crazy good team of of Golden State, uh, for us, it was just amazing for us to lock in that much and to be that dedicated to each other and committed to each other in the winning. All right, so you finished playing basketball
2: and you've transitioned now into broadcasting. You're a podcaster with Road tripping with you and Richard Jefferson and Allie Clifton. Uh, you've got the role with Turner. How have you transitioned into broadcasting
1: and podcasting? Well, I like to talk. <laughs> so that- that helps. And then secondly, road tripping was something that we did during that championship year yep. that was just supposed to be practiced for Richard. Right? It started out with Richard Hey, Channing. He called me up on the hotel. I need to practice, you know, because I want to get into broadcasting when I'm done. So come up here. Let me interview you. I got Allie up here. And I was like, well, I'm not coming up there unless you feed me and give me a bottle of wine. <laughs> He's like, all right, fine. What you want? I was like, you know, chicken fingers and a bottle of Pinot Noir. What's up? So we go up to the the training room, which is a big suite, and there's one mic and we're sitting there and we're getting ready to start. We're getting all the headphones on and Kyrie walks in. So Kyrie's like, what are you guys doing? We're like, oh, we're just doing a podcast. So he gets ice on his knees or whatever treatment he needs and he comes and sits down. So then I turn into one of the hosts. And that's how it actually started. Wow. So we just kept interviewing people over and over again. And I took your advice. In the last episode, we went back to another episode uh, where we interviewed Tim Duncan, who was my idol basketball wise. And we were laughing. And Richard asked him a joke, was like, "Who does Pop hate more, uh, me or or Trump?" <laughs> wow! Oh my god! You know, it was so funny. But this is like you know six seven years ago, right? And uh, and Tim Duncan goes, "Well, since you you know, if you were here every day, probably you." But since you've been gone, definitely Trump. But it was so funny. And then we have interviews with Derek Rose and LeBron and Kyrie and Kyle Korver and Derrick Williams. And so it's awesome to have gone from that to where I am now Um, have the opportunity to work at Turner Um, and just to t- watch basketball. It's a dang game. And I get to fly to Atlanta and literally sit in the studio and talk basketball for a couple hours. And that's my job. So it's, it's freaking awesome. I mean, when you were going to U of A, is this something that you had on your radar that like when I'm done playing hoop, I want to be in broadcasting? You know what? When I went to U of A, I wasn't even thinking when I first went to U of A, I didn't even think I was going to make the leap. I would say, yeah, I just want to play. Right. They thought they were going to have to redshirt me my freshman year. Um, and I didn't start the first half of the season for my freshman, sophomore year which is crazy to think. And then all of a sudden like I had a really good tournament and there wasn't a lot of centers my senior year other than Andrew Bogut. So basically I was the second best center uh, of that draft and I went eighth. And so for me, I just always look at the next step. I loved talking basketball. I love being um, in good conversations about sports in general, Um, just the mindset of it. I always wanna do right by the player. Now I'm gonna call it how I see it, but I'm I'm trying my best at all times to never talk about the person, only what you're putting, only the product that's out there. And I think sometimes a lot of broadcasters kind of melt into that area about talking about the player instead of talking about the product that the player put out there. Right. And I think we got to keep those two things separate, especially in today's age, because guys are very sensitive to that because of how much that's happening to them. On social media or other, you know, other broadcasts. Yeah, that is an interesting uh, kind of predicament.
2: Yeah, what's your prep like for the road trip and podcast, or when you're going to be doing some analysis on on Turner? Are you, you know, spending hours, or are you just kind of a sit down and and go with the feel of the game? What's your prep?
1: Road trip it is. Get a bottle of wine, get a glass, <laughs> go sit down. What we're we'll talking about today, um, and then. Uh, Turner is a little bit more, right? Turner is, uh, for my show Handles, that was on Fridays, um, you know, I'm a co-host with that. Uh, And so for that one, I have four or five games going on TVs, and I'm sitting there with two or three other people, and we're choosing the games and the clips to pull. Um, Because I think, regardless of your record, each team deserves to get looked at. Um, I think if you remember old school ESPN, would play a clip of every single game that was on. I think we need to get back to that. And that's what we try to do with handles is play a clip from almost every single game because those players are are pros. They get paid. They they deserve to get shown, especially if they have good highlights or especially if they're playing good. Sometimes your team stinks, but you're good. So for me, I want to watch a lot of the games so that I have a base of how this team plays. Who's their main guy? Is he playing well? Is he on a streak? Is he, Ten games of twenty-five points, three games of twenty-five points, um, and then other than that, uh, you just got to know basketball. You got to know what's a good shot, what's not. Where is the culture of basketball going? Right when I came in, it was post ups. Then it went to four out one in. Right with a lot of screening rules, and now it's five out with European centers um, at the helm, really taking over the league.
2: Yeah. All right, we met at the coffee shop the other day, and you had some really interesting thoughts on the collegiate landscape yeah. and we've got all this realignment going on. We've got USC and UCLA going from the PAC 12 to the big 10. Right. If I put you in charge of college athletics, I mean, look, Mark Emmert is out as the NCAA president. We said,
1: Hey, Channing, you're the new president of the NCAA. Yep. What are you doing? Well, so I'm starting with football and we're getting away with the conferences for college football for me. Uh, For me, we need to acknowledge that the SEC, the big-time schools are what people want to see, right? And you notice that's why USC, UCLA are going to a conference better in football so that they can recruit better, they get better ratings for TV. It's going to be better for the NCAA. It's better for the players, better for the coaches. And it also gives the, the teams at a lower tier an opportunity to recruit correctly. So what I would do is take your top 20 teams, then and now you have to look at the last 10 years. You would take your top 20 teams. They have been, you know, in the top 25 for, for consistent, like Alabama, you know, LSU, Texas A&M, South Carolina, Michigan, Michigan State. And you would put them on a top tier, almost like some European, European football or soccer, as people in America call it. And that would be your, like, grand crew, top of the league, and those teams would play each other. Then... The next tier would be like your USC, Oregon, UCLA, uh, you know, Cincinnati might be in there. I would probably put Cincinnati in a top tier, like Oklahoma State, depending on where that is. Now, if you are in this tier, you are going to be playing top tier every single game each week. Mm -hmm. It's going to be the the game of the week. That's what people want to see. And if you are last in this league, you go down to the next tier. And if you are first in the last, in the next tier, you go up to the next tier, right? Because that way you could see your team grow. If you have a really good quarterback and you're at USC, and all of a sudden you win your league or you're again yeah, you win your league, you go to the next tier because that's where you should be playing players at your level. And it's going to be better for ratings. It's going to be better for scheduling. It's going to be better for the fans because then you're going to get a Michigan you know, uh, LSU-Michigan-Florida game in the middle of the season where you're not getting these little drubby games the first four, and then all of a sudden you're missing three or four. Like, it just, it ain't it. Okay. So that's football. What are you doing with hoops? Mm. Hoops? Hoops is a little different to me. Hoops, I would make it a lot more like the NBA. And this is my problem with college. I don't think college prepares players to be NBA players. Hmm. I think the NCAA game should be wide. I think the court should be widened. I think they should have a lower shot clock. I think in college sports, the rules are made so that everyone has an equal chance, and that is the opposite of what real sport is. And look at the NCAA tournament. The reason why it's such a betting thing is because you could be a number one team throughout the year and play a team with a bunch of seniors and lose in the first round. Because guard play runs the NCAA tournament, and so do coaches. You, can, you have more timeouts. You can slow the pace of the game down so that it, it, it negates all talent. You just need to have players who know how to play. And you have an opportunity. The most talented players rarely win the NCAA tournament. It's usually players or teams with really good guard play and an absolutely excellent coaching. And, that's, and it just is what it is. You can't showcase your best players if you can be negated by somebody just standing in the paint doing nothing, just having a big old tree sitting out there. It's just it's it's entertaining, but it is not good for the for the pro product. So I would change it to make it more like the NBA and make it more uh again, a tier system where you would have Gonzaga, Arizona, Oregon, Kansas. Texas, all these really good, storied teams play against each other so that now, when St. Mary's doesn't have to, well, like Gonzaga is not in that crappy conference every single year and they're number one and don't win anything. Right. right. It's like play real players all year, Yeah, Got new teams all year. Not, you know, no offense, but that's an awful conference for such a good school. Be in a real conference outside of football. Yeah. Dang, I'm taking that personally. I went to Loyola Marymount with Hank Gap, and Bill Kimball. So you're calling the WCC trash? I wouldn't say it's trash, but I, I can bear that you got this big dog in Gonzaga that should be in the Pac-12, that right. should be in the Big Ten. right? And, and give the other guys, like Loyola Marymount, St. Mary's, an opportunity to showcase those players at that level. You're beating up on... You should be in a big conference, not that small West Coast conference. Right? No offense to them, but it's just not fair. Yeah. You're getting NBA products at Gonzaga, like no. When's the last time any of the West Coast conference had a real couple NBA players consistently? Between yeah. Jalen Suggs, Chat. I mean, we can go down the line. It's it's not fair. All right, we're recording this on Zoom, and you
2: know everyone has their little name. Yours doesn't say Channing fry, it says Wine Lord. <laughs> And here is the wine. You were kind enough to uh, drop off a bottle. We're both in uh, Oregon. So I got to try this the other night. I had some buddies over and we made some steak and uh, Channing, it's good. It's really good. And it goes excellent with red meat. And, uh, you know, I want to get the backstory. I know you are partnered with Kevin Love and a few other winemakers on Chosen Family Wines, but
1: why Oregon? Why wine? Like, how'd you get into this? See, so, I've been in Oregon 15 years since I got traded here. I met my wife here. We reside here. Um, I'm from Phoenix, Arizona, obviously, as we talked about earlier. I had never really drank wine, even in my first couple of years in the league. Never grown up was one thing in my household. But then when I came out here, my wife or my girlfriend at the time, now my wife, took me wine tasting, and it, you had that aha moment like How have I never heard of this? And how am I not going to this every weekend? It's 45 minutes that way. Literally, it's so close. And so each year, each summer, I'd come back. And with a buddy of mine, Jacob Gray, we'd go out and go wine tasting all the time. We would visit new places, try new places. And we never had a bad time. And then as we traveled the world, you understand how special of a place that the Willamette Valley is. Um, and so for me, wine started to turn into uh, from something that is, you know, uh, like, oh, fun to, man, I wanna learn about the different ABAs, the terroir, the the process, like the barrel aging, where you know, what type of grapes or varietals these are. And it became a connector between friends where I was like, oh, what kind of wine do you like? Let me go find th- something for you. Like it became very unselfish. And um, after I retired, I you know, for six months, I kind of was like, what am I going to do, right? What is, what makes me happy? So I started writing things down and I love food. I love laughing. I love talking. I love being around my people. Um, And so what was something that was usually in the middle of all those things was a bottle of wine. And so for me, when I sat down with our buddies, when we created Chosen Family, I wanted it to be less about chatting um, and more about the winemakers and their stories. And for me to be able to use my platform to not only tell their story, but to tell a story about the Willamette Valley and about encouraging people to start their wine journey. Whereas, whether that's small or large, I think more people need to go see what's out there because that place is special. It's beautiful. And the process of a grape growing from a vine to getting to a bottle to, for you to enjoy is a process. And I enjoy that process. I love that process. And so does Kevin and so does my other partners. And so we're just trying to earn trust one bottle at a time. And so it's not Channing's wine. It's just the chosen family. And that's because we work with four different winemakers that have their own vineyards that do this and that just allow me to work with them to make wines and to help people have that kind of aha moment of like, holy crap, this is good. This is not a celebrity wine. This is me doing the research, which is my favorite part, of finding really good winemakers and showcasing them and showcasing the grape in in the wine industry. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting, as we discussed when we got together, you've got
2: uh, Drew Bledsoe, Rick Meyer, Charles Woodson, C.J. McCollum. I mean, Napa Valley and the Pacific Northwest has become a hotbed, T.O., for people wanting to develop wine brands, and it is a competitive business, but you
1: know, it seems like you really immersed yourself in learning the business. For sure. And I, I think somebody that I, I look up to business wise definitely is double back with Drew Blood. So I've had conversations with him as we start. I think the difference between myself and and chosen family is that we just don't have one varietal, like one type of grape. Right. We have Two types of Pinot Noir from Oregon, two types of Chardonnays. We have a a Sonoma Coast Pinot. We have a Napa Valley, you know, Cabernet coming. We have a a Blancs of Blancs coming in two years. We have Syrah, Rosé. So we have a bunch of different varieties of varietals for people to encourage. So it's not just one. Also, it's less about Kevin and I and more about our winemakers. So we're trying to put them to the forefront. Um, It really showcase them and tell their story. And for, you know, our collaboration wines are small, so it's only a hundred cases. And then the, the wine that you're actually drinking is the wine that I'm actually sure we're trying to showcase and make it affordable and show people Pinot Noir can be made uh, at a really good price with really good quality from what we're learning and with the knowledge that we have uh, from the winemakers. Yeah, I mean, that was the other thing that was a little surprising to me is how
2: affordable your wine is. I mean, didn't you say it ranges from $25, $30 up to like $70, $75?
1: Yeah, so the wine wine you have right now is part of our Willamette Valley series. And so that is a a blend of different ABAs in in, uh, Oregon, which is like, um, so our Rosé, Chardonnay, and Pinot Noir range from $24 to $38. And then our collaborations, which are small are the price of who we're working with. So that's, uh, from $50 all the way up to $75. Um, and so those are for people who know what they like, we like, Oh, I love Walla Walla, Syrah, or i love St. Louis Vineyard, Dundee Hills, Peter Noir, that is specifically made from like one little plot on one little acre of land. So we want to encourage people to start their journey wherever but you can't say we're being inclusive if we don't have wines that are affordable, but made with, with intention and quality. So that's where we are trying to juggle this business and make it so that people can get what they want to get. One more question. I know we've got to go. What advice
2: would you give to athletes who are wanting to focus on, what do I do post-career? I mean, you've done such a nice job, again, with the broadcasting lane, with the wine company. There's a lot of athletes, they retire, and they're like, what now? What do I do? There's others that I've talked to on this show that have been really good about building relationships during their career and saying, this is my exit strategy. This is what I want to do when I'm not playing anymore. What advice would you give?
1: So I I would say this is, first of all, if you think you love something. If you think you love something outside of basketball, find somebody. There are so many avenues for professional athletes or athletes, even in college to go, you know what? what? I like, you know, I like making batteries, right? For instance, oh, hey, what is this? Where is this from? Oh, uh, away, right? Let me call away. Hey, I'm so, I'm Channing Fry from the University of Arizona. I'd love to just follow your president. Oh, sure. Come on right? I would. Mean, there's somebody from you, or hey, you know, I want to get into broadcasting. Well, practice, right? Go to media training. There is no excuse in this day and age, this information age, for you not to be dabbling in different things that you men love, whether that's, oh, how do I, you know, let me intern for a winemaker during harvest, right? Let me just go out there for three days. Let me learn, right? If you're, if you can humble yourself enough to not need a paycheck and to intern for two or three days, two or three weeks, two or three months, you are going to get an opportunity. Being an athlete means that you are disciplined and that you are used to most of the time being on a team. Businesses want that. They want that competitive nature. They want that teamwork and they want somebody that can just focus in and lock in and be successful. So when you're ready to make that next step, just jump in the water, learn right things down what do you love like for me when i retired i was like, okay outside of basketball what do i love who do i want a food cart eh, maybe let me research i call my buddies who have food carts here uh do i like this do i like that let me make phone calls just do the work find out and just tap into connections that you've made over the years um being an athlete yeah great right.
2: i love watching your your star rise post oh thank you um it, it's really fun you're doing a lot of different things uh i think the road trip and podcast with you and richard is great you can tell that you guys have been friends since you oh were a long time younger you guys hey, so damn nerves <laughs> and i'm glad that you, you took the advice and you're unearthing some of the archives because you have some great past interviews that you guys have done and sometimes people didn't hear them the first time around it's fun to replay them and you know get a little bit of insight so
1: uh it was great it was great i, I think it just for us, we've done, I think we've done 800. Wow. So like going back, it's been really fun to see where we came from to where we are now, where we were just audio back then to now we have like a little studio. Now we have like all the setup, but it's, it's been amazing. So again, thank you for that advice. I think we're going to do that for the next week or two while the NBA is kind of quiet. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I appreciate it. We're really on both in, I'm always glad to to take advice from somebody that's done it as long as you have. Wow! Now it's it's it's
2: good, and and you guys have had great conversations in the past, and people want to go back and and listen to those.
1: Um, all right, how can people order a bottle of Chosen Family Wine? So you go to chosenfamilywines.com dot com um, is one, and then if you're in the the area, uh, any zoopans on the um, you can go in there and and get a bottle of wine right now, and then as we start to scale and as we start to grow, we'll be in. Uh, different places so definitely right now Zupan's is the only store with our wine other than ordering it online yeah I mean we have listeners around the world so you might get some people uh, here we go
2: even in other countries love it ship it away and I'm taking your advice you gave me some good advice I'm going to Europe in a few weeks so you gave me some oh, good yeah. advice on uh, you know how to be over there how to act as uh, as a tourist so I am going to keep it cool <laughs> No. Yeah, be cool. Don't be loud. Don't be loud. <laughs> All right, Channing Fry, follow him on social media at Channing Fry. Again, get a bottle of Chosen Family Wine at ChosenFamilyWine.com.
1: Channing, keep up the great work. It's great to Thank you. Yeah, this is great, man. I appreciate you having me on. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back.
2: This episode of Sports Business Radio is brought to you by Underdog Fantasy the fastest-growing fantasy app ever released, and the official gaming partner of Sports Business Radio. And with early investors like Mark Cuban, Kevin Durant, Adam Schefter, and Jared Goff, I know that Underdog Fantasy is made for people like me who are on the go and want something quick, easy, and fun to play. And today, we've got a special offer for Sports Business Radio listeners. If you sign up to Underdog Fantasy using the promo code SBR, they're going to double your first deposit, Up to $100. No risk, no long term commitment. Just sign up using promo code SBR and your first deposit is matched up to $100 for free. I already play Underdog Fantasy on the Underdog Fantasy app, but if I didn't, I'd use that free $100 and go for a pick 'em contest where I can bet the over under on individual players or team matchups. Or maybe the Best Ball Mania 3 contest worth $10 million in total prizes. All you have to do is draft a team for the season. No waivers, no lineups, no injury reports. Underdog Fantasy takes care of all of that for you. So do what I've been doing. Go to Underdog Fantasy, download the app, sign up with promo code SBR, and get started right away with a free match on your first deposit up to $100. Well, that's it for this edition of Sports Business Radio. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks to our team at Sports Business Radio, Brian Griggs, Josh Blank, Ryan Nakajima, and our friends at CG Sports who power Sports Business Radio CG Young, Matt Amerlin, Nicole Wardle, and Calvin Wirtz. I'm Brian Berger. Have a great week, and we'll talk to you soon right here on Sports Business Radio.